Hey everybody, I'm Derek, this is Logan, and we're the Show Guys. Come join us as we put pop culture under the microscope. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Show Guys podcast. Today we are talking about our favorite video game role-playing games, or in the modern terms, RPGs. Essentially, they're games where you can act out the story in a character you more or less create. Oftentimes, they're in an open-world environment where you're able to branch off from the main storyline and do side quests, all the while making your character more defined at what they're good at and how they behave. So, guys, today we're each going to list around three or so of our favorite role-playing video games. And I'll note that making up any kind of list like this, it's just, it's agonizing for either <laughs> one of us. I am i mean, just ranking like anything is, in case you guys haven't found out or figured out by this point, we're both such just these huge geeks when it comes to pop culture. Call us what we are. Media, media <laughs> in general. So, I mean, even trying to narrow it down to, like, a smaller number was really, really, really difficult. So, between us, we came up with a few different choices that we each think kind of represents a pretty good spectrum of how terrific role-playing games can be. And this is something that we'll get into, I'm sure, at a later episode as well. But right now, we're really living in a really good era of video games because gaming is really finally starting to be seen as an art form. So you're getting just some terrific, beautiful gaming experiences. And we think we've come up with a few really, really, really good ones. So between all the different titles that we've come up with ourselves, we're hoping that some of our favorites are also some of yours. And if you haven't played any of them yet, maybe you'll want to pick them up. Yeah, it's just one of those that it kind of gives you a chance to create your own type of reality. Uh, you become immersed in these games. And that's one thing I love about the RPG genre is that there's such a diverse factor towards them that it's not so cut and dry that each person that plays the games that we're about to play or talk about, they're going to experience it completely different or kind of similar, but not exactly the same that we've played them, which I think is I awesome. Agree. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So to kick things off for myself is uh, Fallout New Vegas. Now, I will point out that Fallout 3 was really my first video game RPG experience in general. That was my first real kind of role-playing experience. I hadn't really experienced a game like that before, before I played Fallout 3. So it's always going to have a very special place in my heart when it comes to some of my favorite games. But you know, looking back, I'd have to say that New Vegas is my favorite in the entirety of the Fallout series. I love so many elements about this game. And I will add also that some of the production history behind New Vegas is just as interesting as some of the story beats in the game itself. So it was developed by Obsidian, who were founded by some of the people who worked on the original two Fallout games. And Obsidian took up making New Vegas because Bethesda's creative team, they were working on Skyrim. So they basically contracted Obsidian to create this new Fallout game where they were working on Skyrim. And they were given the opportunity to make New Vegas, but they had to make it in an 18-month development cycle, which is not a lot of time in order to make a full game. And I will also add, guys, that in each of our summaries, we are going to include some spoilers of the plot. But the basic premise for New Vegas is that you play as a package courier who's been shot in the head. 
and you have to track down the people who attacked you and stole your package that you were trying to deliver. And the world, the wasteland, is yours to explore. This series takes place after a massive nuclear war, so every game is set in a different wasteland environment. And one of the beauties of the series is that oftentimes the games have so much content and so many quests for you to do, and New Vegas is no exception. I would honestly say New Vegas was the last good Fallout game Mm -hmm. because, I mean, and you spent so much time on Fallout 4, (laughs) which I don't know how you could because it got to a point where I got bored with it almost. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what prevented me on keeping it up, but it just, Fallout 4 was kind of a bland Mm-hmm. rehashing i don't know the story mm-hmm. in fallout 3 and new vegas were so good mm-hmm. and anyway and i'll yeah no i agree with you 100 there and uh, also just like from an aesthetic visual standpoint in new vegas you play in an area that's known as the mojave wasteland so it's just this area around the remains of las vegas and some of the different states therein. it has this so cool sort of western aesthetic that i just love and the companions that you can pick up include just some of my favorite companions not only in the fallout series but in rpgs in general i love the different party members that you can pick up and some of the different combinations that you can make and plus i'll also say before i get into some other stuff the d the five dlcs expansions for new vegas i think are better overall dlc expansions than fallout 3 I love all five of the expansions. They're probably my favorite things to get through outside of just some of the different side quests you have in the base game, but I love the DLCs for New Vegas. I think they're just brilliant. And, you know, the fact that Obsidian was able to make a game this awesome in just 18 months with the kind of sort of sparse resources that they had to work with, that to me is just mind-blowing. Like, this game came out in 2010, and I still don't get tired of playing it. You know, although I will say that, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this also, when it launched, had a lot of bugs. My disc in particular from my PS3, <laughs> it's cursed with the affliction of the frame rate just drops so often. I mean, I mean, it is the buggiest game I've ever played, but you just have so much fun playing it that you just have to, that you just plow through it. You just plow through whatever issues, technical issues it has, because it's such a compelling experience. You Did know? this game come out before or after because didn't obsidian make mm-hmm. knights of the old republic 2 i uh, i'm not sure but i think i know it came out in like 2010 ish so i'm pretty sure it came out after knights of the republic 2 okay i was just making sure because they had just recently made knights of the old republic 2 the sith lords right which it was kind of an incomplete game at mm-hmm. the time yeah it was complete but there's a lot of stuff missing from it Oh, yeah. And I was just curious on the effect that maybe they got Fallout New Vegas and then they kind of hurried up Knights of the Old Republic. I'd I'd have to do some research on that, but maybe who's to say? I'm not entirely sure. And one thing I will say is that evidently there's this rumor that uh, the staff said Obsidian and Bethesda didn't necessarily get along super well during and after the development. But I think Josh Sawyer, the project director for, for New Vegas, I think he said in a forum a couple of years ago, that uh, the people at Bethesda were all perfectly decent to him and his staff while they were working on it. So even though it wasn't necessarily this gargantuan success that Fallout 3 was, 
I'd still love to see Obsidian be given the reins for any future titles of this franchise. And, you know, it's 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 a game that I've just played for hours and hours and hours, and I'll still be playing it for many more hours to come. It's just, it's such an enjoyable game. And like I said earlier, if you're going to play it, you might as well get the DLC as well for it, because... It's just, it's such a cool mixture of science fiction, a little bit of horror. It kind of has a little bit for everybody who's into a more, you know, more of a lone character wandering a wasteland. It's awesome. So I looked it up. Knights of the Old Republic 2 came out in 2004. So this was nowhere near. (laughs) Okay. So just to clear that up, because I was just (laughs) confused because... You said it came out in 2010, and I just, mm-hmm. you think it's recent, but yeah. then you remember it's almost 2022. Right. So you're thinking t- 12 years ago, and I'm like, man, that's actually a decade, a little mm-hmm. bit more than a decade. It's just crazy to me. I mean, and, and that's just that's just one of the things that I think that we're going to be able to emphasize when we keep going through this discussion is that, you know, great games no matter how old they may be, they always want to make you come back and play them again. Much like my next big choice. So the next title for me is Horizon Zero Dawn. So this is a game that takes place in the far future and you play as Aloy, who is a young hunter, and she's trying to uncover this massive conspiracy going on involving several different warring tribes and the technology in this world. And to me, the world building in this game was just brilliant. Uh, I mean, absolutely terrific. Because it's one of those things that just gives you bits and pieces as you keep going through the story. It doesn't straight up tell you everything, which to me was just absolutely wonderful. Especially when describing how the different tribes of the world interact with these robotic creatures that inhabit the world. The combat to me is very, very, very satisfying. It's much more uh, combat-oriented than some of Bethesda's stuff like New Vegas, and it takes a lot in order to level up Aloy. So when you do actually level up, you really feel accomplished when you finally do that. It's something that also is cool is that whenever you fight against a robotic creature, no two species of robot can be fought exactly the same. So it always takes a lot of strategic thinking when you fight against them. And you have a great choice when it comes to combat since Aloy is an experienced hunter. So you can either go in as more of a brawler with your spear or some weapons that fire different rounds, or you can take your time with bow and arrow, which is just so satisfying from a gameplay perspective and i'll add one more thing before i want to get your thoughts in it as well my friend but something i also think is really fascinating is that machine shards have several different roles in the game you get them after you kill these different machine creatures they're currency but at the same time you have to break them down in order to create the ammunition for your weapons so there's resource management that you have to take account into when you're playing and you can't just go to a merchant and buy ammo sometimes you really have to pick your battles in order to make sure that you have enough shards, not only for your weapons, but for your currency as well, which I thought was just a brilliant uh, component of the gameplay in general. Yeah, I remember when I played Horizon for the first time, the prologue or the first little part before you get to the trials, I think. Yeah. I remember playing it and being like, yeah, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until you left that area on your own 
it does that like wide pan shot over the land across like the world map Mm. dude when i saw that that was when i was bought in and i was very very intrigued with the developers did so well Mm. with how they integrated that robotic futuristic dinosaur i i guess dinosaur is not really dinosaurs what the machinery yeah because there's like some that represent giraffes or there's that t-rex looking monster right (laughs) and then you have the different lions and stuff but to integrate them into the wildlife of the savannah or the forestry or the tundra when i see that i'm just so impressed because like you said it's more of just no two fights are the same and then you have to deal with clearing out bandit camps and you do that mm-hmm. whole mess like which is a lot more fun than you think it would be oh but anyway the, continue yeah the comparison and contrasting those is just the game is one of those that is just so enjoyable and so pretty to look at there would be sometimes where you just stand up on a ledge or something and you can see the world in front of you and you just you just get like this rush of mm-hmm. just that's awesome <laughs> yeah no, I, I but, agree 100%. Uh, the, I agree 100%. The character Alloy is mm-hmm. a great character for a protagonist in this RPG because she's so, what I mean, dedicated and mm-hmm. determined mm-hmm. just to prove herself as this human. But it's mm-hmm. also the curiosity to figure out what happened to society to lead us in this, not apocalyptic, like it's not apocalyptic at all. It's mm-hmm. just these primitive times mm-hmm. like what was, was the reset and oh yeah sorry i don't mean to keep going but no, keep going keep going go ahead one thing that i remember is you play this and then you play i think another game that came around the same time was far cry mm-hmm. primal okay and they're about the same type of game in terms of the stylistic choices mm-hmm. but horizon does it so much better Mm-hmm. Everything about Horizon is just so enjoyable and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Right. And also kind of going along with your discussion on the uh, on the characters as well, I want to give a sh- big shout out to the voice acting. I think all the performances are excellent across the board, especially Ashley Birch as Aloy and Lance Reddick as her main sort of ally, Silence. They are so awesome as their respective characters. I mean, their performances are so, so, so terrific. And, you know, to kind of also add on with the uh, with the sound design, every once in a while, I'll, I would sneak into the bushes and just watch the machines just to kind of have that sort of ambiance to it, you know? It's such a cool, cool, cool feeling. And I got so obsessed with playing this game. I mean, you, you remember some of my messages that I would send to you. Put it this way. I have two platinum trophies on PlayStation. Fallout 4 is one. Horizon is the other. Only so one of those is worth it. <laughs> yes, I would. I will. I will definitely agree with you there. So now, come on, Forbidden West. We're, we're waiting on you. And we are waiting on you. You know, you said Fallout New Vegas's DLC. Mm-hmm. Man, Horizon Zero Dawn's DLC. The what was it? Oh. The Frozen North or the Frozen yeah. Tundra? Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh man, that Arctic journey that oh man, and 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 plus it's like it's also legitimately interesting, and even though it doesn't necessarily add anything specifically to 
you know, the main story itself or something like that. It's just such a cool addition to the overall lore, you know, yeah. and that's the best. That's what the best add-ons do. They just add more lore to the world that you didn't necessarily figure beforehand. So yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful game in general. Okay, for my last one, and if I'm being pressed, it's got to be one of my favorite <laughs> thing, get favorite games as well ever, Persona 5 slash Persona 5 Royal. So I'm a major fan of the Persona series. The first one I played was Persona 4. I played it off and on for about two years, and it was just a game and a kind of lore, I suppose, that just kind of, it's one of those things that kind of suck you in immediately, you know? So to kind of summarize in each game each main game of the persona series because you occasionally have games where some of the characters from each entry will cross over and stuff like that but in each game you basically play as a different group of high school students who travel into different worlds and fight demons <laughs> and at the same time you also have to balance your activities of saving the world with going to school hanging out with your gang of friends working part-time jobs things like that so <laughs> the biggest gameplay element in the series is actually the relationships that you develop with the members of your party. Friendship in this franchise is the ultimate weapon. So the stronger bonds you develop with your party members, the more powerful you'll all be in combat. You also capture different demons, and then you can summon them to use their various powers in the battles that you fight is very similar to the stands in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in that way, which automatically makes me love this series even more. But Persona 5 in particular to me is just a wonderful game. It's got a really, really, really cool story element to it. Your character is a high school student who gets arrested. So he's been sent to a new school and a new city. And then it evolves into you and your friends fighting against bad guys. I played the original five a lot, loved it, then got the Royal Edition, which is the version that I'm playing through right now. It adds on an extra semester of school, and your group becomes involved in other activities. And in general, it's a little different from the original five, but I love it. Voice acting is great in it. The story, to me, is super, super, super cool. But I think the most compelling thing about this game and the series in general, to me, and you know, we've talked about this before. Once you finally invest in a new system or console, <laughs> something like that, I will send you my original five so you can at least experience the base game for it. But I think, and I'll go through this uh, real quick so you can get your thoughts as someone who hasn't, is kind of being introduced to it through discussions with me. But it's one of the most appealing things about the series in general is how when you start to become closer friends with your party members, that really does become the major element of the gameplay. And after you spend hours and hours with your party members, sometimes you feel sad when you have to shut the PlayStation off and stop playing. I mean, it really does have that kind of staying power that really great games make you want to keep playing, even after you finish with the main storyline and the credits roll. I love it. I love the series. Can't wait for whenever they come out with the next main entry in the franchise. But for now, I'm going to be playing royal just like crazy so and that's another thing that i love about this franchise's entry into the role-playing genre is that you can really get a good feel for your party members and really form really cool uh connections with them anyway my friend as somebody who hasn't necessarily experienced that uh 
that that franchise what are your thoughts so far from all i've described so far you know i'm so intrigued and that's the thing is i haven't been able to play it i don't have a playstation and since it's a playstation exclusive Mm -hmm. it's hard to get my hands on it sure so like you said it kind of has that story element of the jojo style stand which Mm -hmm. we'll get into later about why we're so involved with that but everything that you've said like the the fighting demons as a group of high schoolers i love final Mm -hmm. fantasy like that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite games it's not necessarily top three but like you said making this list was agonizing (laughs) (laughs) so the thing like that you talk about is developing those relationships if i'm going to bring that into a relatable sense it's making it easier for players to develop relationships between two people because let's face it in the real world it's especially difficult now yeah for some for most people right <laughs> so just the fact that some people relate to that or can relate to that is really intriguing and just the whole story and hearing you explain it makes me interested in it even more and i'm just excited to finally get to play it when i do invest in a new system or if i do exactly. invest in a playstation so i'm very excited to get to that point right right and you know that's my three, like you said, and I know we'll have some, a couple of mutual ones when you talk about some of your stuff, but like you said, it's, it, this was so difficult to try and pick. I mean, just, oh, it was, it was tough, but anyway, the floor is yours now, my friend. What are some of your favorite role-playing games? You know, we talk about making lists all the time and like, what are your favorite? What are your favorite? This was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to open it up with one. It got me started in the RPG genre. It was the first real RPG that I took the time to immerse myself into. Mm -hmm. Being a huge Star Wars fan, I picked up a copy of Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. And I never heard of it. I kind of saw the cover and I was like, oh, that's really, that's a neat cover. It's Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Who wouldn't like it? Right. And... Besides Battlefront, I think this is one of the most successful Star Wars games that LucasArts put out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go into EA because that's a mess. (laughs) We all know where that goes. Um, (laughs) Right. It's a very, very popular game. It's getting remastered for the PlayStation 5, and it's only a PlayStation 5 exclusive. So I'm like, dang it. (laughs) So, Knights of the Old Republic, besides Battlefront, most successful star wars game when it came out this game came out july 15th 2003 2003 was a huge year for video games so some games that came around this time we have prince of persia sands of time which if you haven't played is an awesome adventure platformer game i played a little bit of a demo once it's it's very cool very Very fun fun. the idea Mm -hmm. of using time in a game is always a classic Mm-hmm. then you have beautiful joe my buddy mike <laughs> is the one that told me to play that game and it is one of the most beautiful artistic style in a video game it's very fun very not raunchy it's not raunchy at all it's more mm-hmm. it's a fighting side scroller but 3d it's a weird dynamic but the art is just yeah. wonderfully done mm-hmm. we have ssx3 which leads into ssx tricky which is one of my favorite snowboarding games (laughs) (laughs) the biggest game i think to come out 
of this year is Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Yeah, it's the same year. Hmm. Tony Hawk Underground, Call of Duty, which we see today as being one of the most dominant FPS shooters now came out. Mm -hmm. The first game came out. And who knew that it was going to be one of the biggest names 10, 19 years later? No, man. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much more, but that's just the list of things coming out in 2003. That's nuts. This game, this year, I remember this year, but so excited about all these games. So I pick up Star Wars. I have my old Xbox. You know, my dad gives me an Xbox for Christmas. So the quick synopsis for this is that this happened 4,000 years prior to all Star Wars films. So Mm -hmm. Darth Vader, the prequels, way before that. So it's it's in the expanded universe, basically. It's in the expanded universe. This is personally my favorite Star Wars game ever, Mm -hmm. just because of one, the nostalgic factor, but the story of it is just phenomenal. So it happens 4,000 years prior to all the Galactic Empire stuff. Darth Malak, Darth Revan, his apprentice, has unleashed a Sith armada against the Republic. So this is when the Sith were a big force to be reckoned with. Many Jedi scattered and left vulnerable by Malak's aggressions die in battle while others swear loyalty or allegiance to Malak. This is the beginning of the Jedi Civil War that we'll get to in a little bit. That's kind of the thing that Knights of the Old Republic 2 try to do is focus on the Civil War. There's a lot of, like I said, loopholes with that. The game opens with the player's character, which you can customize. This was the first time that I've been able to like play a game, customize the character. In a way, the presets, you just cycle through presets. It's not like Skyrim or Fallout where you can actually modify the face to look like Waluigi or something. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So you wake up in the midst of battle on a Republic ship being just bombarded by Sith fighters. After escaping the ship, you crash land on a planet called Terrace. And you start gathering companions and piece together your past because you have this sort of amnesia. You're like, I don't understand what's happening. So you're trying to piece together this while you're trying to stop Malik. Uh, to accomplish this, the main character and their companions search for star maps to locate the Star Forge. I'm not going to tell you how you get sent on that journey because as it might have spoilers, this is the first game that I played that a plot twist has affected me so fundamentally that I like stopped everything that I played. It was almost after I first saw the Red Wedding. I like <laughs> paused it, stopped it, and I sat there and I was like, Whew. "It's it's a pretty amazing twist. It is, dude. The plot twist is one of the best plot twists ever in the history of gaming. Fight me on that. No, I, I, I agree. With you. I agree hundred <laughs> percent on that. So definitely." Yeah, so you're trying to find the star maps to lead you to the Star Force to stop Malik. Like I said, this is my first real RPG that I could comprehend. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stood out to me on this one, like you talked about the friendships being in Persona 5. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing in this was the ethic system, where the choices you make actually make a difference to your character, to your relationships, to your fellow companions and to the world around you Mm. whether you want to choose light side or dark side or good or bad personally i don't know why 
I've played through Knights of the Old Republic game hundreds. Mm-hmm. Of, I don't even want to say how many times. <laughs> I've only played as a bad person once or twice. Right. I don't know why. No, I'm I the don't same know way. If it's just because it's the morality of me. But yeah. being bad is something I hate to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. no I mean, in, in any one of these, I'm always a good character. <laughs> yeah. And it's so tough. Like, I think I did it as like a social experiment for myself. Like, mm-hmm. can I do yeah. this mm-hmm. and be evil? Well, it's a lot harder than I thought. Right. Being able to experience that for the first time, I'm sure there are other games before this that model it or experiment with the good or bad. Mm-hmm. This is just the first one that I've experienced and I loved every bit of it. Sure. Being able to choose, do you save this person in order to protect this or do you destroy everything for money? It's just so well done. Each time that you replay it, you can start as a different character. You can do a different. So at the beginning, I know I'm jumping all over the place with this. You're fine. But at the beginning, you start with your choice of male or female, right? Then you have a choice between scoundrel, uh, scout, and fighter or warrior. Mm. I forget what the, I don't know what, trooper, I think is what it's called. Either way. So Mm. you have like your three classes, basically. Right. And eventually your choice of Jedi will come about, but I'm not going to tell you how. (laughs) So the best thing about this is it's the, also the first time that I've experienced something with relationships in terms of the wanting to pursue intimate, like boyfriend, girlfriend relationships. Okay. So each character that you choose can be sort of intimate with whatever character or companion that you pick up along the way. Mm. Like, what the yeah that was <laughs> incredible right incredible and then mm-hmm. the level up the leveling system is you have attributes which is like intelligence wisdom charisma mm-hmm. constitution dexterity strength so you have the attributes but then you have skills and this is where i was falling in love because we go mm-hmm. back to like D D. yeah it's a D type of combat system where you press a button and it like uh-huh. rolls for attack right right, for right initiative right. or persuasion mm-hmm. or something so it's got D elements which you and i both love that type yes. of thing mm-hmm. so it was just everything about it was so well done and mm-hmm. the skills are like computer use or security or persuasion awareness trade injury mm-hmm. So very broken down, and then feats go on and on and on and on and on, which I'm not even going to go into detail with that yet. (laughs) The leveling system is incredible. And then last that I'll touch on this game is it's the first real exploration that I've ever really paid attention to. You get to go to you get to go to very popular planets like Kashyyyk, the Mm -hmm. Wookiee planet. And then you realize some stuff's going on down there. You get to traverse to the bottom of the forest, which I've always been intrigued. Like, what's the bottom of the forest? Mm. Tatooine, home planet of Luke Skywalker, quote unquote. (laughs) And then Korriban and just different planets, which I thought was just so cool in terms of the expanded universe, being able to see the different atmospheres that creatures live. Just Everything about Knights of the Old Republic to me was everything that I looked for in 
future RPGs from that moment. And I'll just add on that, you know, I've, I've just as somebody who has just played a bit of the game itself, but I, I know the whole story and everything. And I mean, just the whole concept of forming your own Star Wars story. It's just a fantastic concept. I mean, it's so fascinating because one of the most appealing elements of Star Wars is the universe, you know, just being able to have any kind of experience in this incredible universe of characters and planets and technology. I, I mean, each of us are kind of those fans where if we see any kind of expanded universe, any kind of content or anything like that, we're just going to jump on it because of how fascinating it can be to just experience something in this universe, be it through you know books, movies, TV series, or video games, anything. So being able to explore it in different games like Knights of the Old Republic or Battlefront, different franchises like that, or in like books and stuff like that as well, which we'll eventually be talking about our very favorite expanded universe stuff in a future episode when we focus more on Star Wars. But I think I can safely say that we're both super pumped up for when that KOTOR remake finally hits the shelves. Uh, it's just fingers crossed that they don't screw it up, but I'm just so excited to experience it on a next-gen console. I think it's going to be really awesome. And everything that I've heard that they're doing is something I'm a fan of, so... Cool. Let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> so, enough of Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, mm -hmm. We could easily spend an entire episode just on everything about it. But number right. two, and I know I'm gonna, I'm kind of a masochist for this, <laughs> but I love From Software games. Mm -hmm. So From Software developed Demon Souls, the Dark Souls trilogy, and then Sekiro. I've played all of their games. Everyone yeah. that they've come out with, I have played and have hated myself and have beaten all of their games nice the thing that they do really well is you always hear about it the difficulty it's uh -huh. unrelenting so the one that i would say is the most challenging is dark souls 2 okay dark souls 2 is the most challenging because it goes away from the original art style of demon souls dark souls and dark souls 3 Okay. Dark Souls 3 is my favorite out of those three mm -hmm. because it fine-tuned an already perfect engine, regardless. Okay. So it's more about figuring out the gameplay mechanics. Like Everybody says mm -hmm. that, oh, you have to figure out the gameplay. With Dark Souls or the From Software games, mm -hmm. each game you have to figure out how a certain enemy works or how your gameplay or your game style should be built to a playthrough and the fact that the difficulty isn't a slider not like oh instead of three hits for an enemy it's one no it's more of oh you have to figure out the counter attack you have to figure out the parry system it's parry this you freaking casual <laughs> but it's it's the fact that you can you i mean one you can't beat an enemy just one way there mm -hmm. is a multitude of ways to play the game but it's the fine-tuning of 
when to dodge or read mm-hmm. being able to read a boss and mm-hmm. say okay they attack this way here are their weaknesses how do i exploit that mm-hmm. and i am one of those people that if you give me something that i have to think and actually look at and observe i'm an observer so if you mm-hmm. give me something you're like observe this and then play i am 100 percent down sure and plus the lore so dark soul the dark soul series does a fantastic job of giving you enough mm-hmm. you learn the story through exploration okay so for example we have our honorable onion knight sigmire of katarina it's a meme <laughs> within the dark souls community right it's one of those that you don't know his story until you figure out oh he's going to be here or if you explore a whole area, you find out that he's in different places within this area, and mm-hmm. that leads to the next story. So the mm-hmm. storytelling through exploration and events without being cutscenes, very rarely do you have a cutscene from a from software game. Interesting. It's incredible. And Dark Souls and Demon Souls, you arrive at this nexus or you arrive mm-hmm. at this central point and you travel to these locations. Right. That's in talking to those characters, you find out kind of the situation of what's happening. In Sekiro, I love Sekiro more for you're set in like ancient Japan. And it's Dark Souls-esque as in terms of you don't really die. It's just when you die, a curse is built up or something is built up. What I love about Sekiro is that you don't have really different weapons. You have a samurai sword or a katana, sorry. And then your prosthetic arm becomes different tools and you hotkey those tools. Mm. But you have to learn the parry system. You have to learn the defense. You have to learn what route you want to take to make it easier. It's stuff like that that I love. I love analyzing and being able to play through it. And it's just like Knights of the Old Republic, Dark Souls. You can play it a different way each time and you find Mm. something new. I still replay it to this day you know, usually I go in as a tank. Well, next I'll try a pyromancer or then I'll try a wizard or a sorcerer or something different. And that's the D&D thing coming through is you're mm-hmm. playing different types or different regions or players, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just something that is a tried and true method of enjoyability. Uh, and I love being challenged and I love that I'm such a masochist to endure the relentless pain and suffering of dark souls <laughs> see you, you've got more uh, constitution for it uh, than myself i made the mistake i got the second one just kind of thinking i would try to dive in just kind of like you know i got i played some of the second one i couldn't get past the first forest and i gave up again <laughs> not a great way of diving in i know that but that's just was just my experience and i know i still own two so i know i'm gonna have to go back and replay it at some point but um you know kudos to you for being able to power through all these different uh ones that are have become you know legendary when it comes to difficulty as far as that is concerned i mean you know and i'm sure this will probably be kind of difficult but i mean do you have like i know i think you said that uh dark souls 3 is probably your favorite so is that kind of the one that really when you're just kind of looking 
through the from catalog it's kind of like ah that's the one or is it just a matter of just kind of like loving different bits about each game yeah if i were to just pick one up and just play it you know when people Mm -hmm. ask me they're like i want to get into the dark souls what should i start with Mm -hmm. i always say dark souls 3 that's the most (laughs) user-friendly (laughs) quote-unquote game that one's probably the most enjoyable in terms of anyone can kind of pick it up, figure it out. Right. If I really want to put myself through torture, I'll pick up Sekiro. I think out of all the From Software games, Sekiro Mm -hmm. Shadows Die Twice is probably the hardest of their catalog. Mm. Because it is from the start. If you've never played a From Software game and you're like, I want to play Sekiro, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just one of my favorite ones. It's the Mm -hmm. being able to figure out. Very so cool. for my last one mm-hmm. that I'll discuss, this is on the opposite end of your favorite of being Fallout New Vegas. I love Bethesda as much as the next guy. Mm-hmm. I love the Elder Scrolls series. And I'll go into each one in a, like, a little bit because they each have such important meaning to me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to make sure that they were more kind of reserved for yourself because i will say skyrim is not on my list even though it is clearly one of my favorites but it's the only elder scrolls that i have played so i figured since you have more experience with the franchise you should be the one to head the discussion on this franchise so anyway continue (laughs) so i I love my note on our form where it's like how is this not on your list but that's fine (laughs) Besides because I because I know you and I knew that was going to be one of your <laughs> so Bethesda mastered the RPG uh, just with Fallout and the Elder Scrolls series. I think they really fine tuned their RPG style of gaming. The thing we can talk about Fallout seventy six and Fallout four later. Besides the point, Ugh. my first experience with Elder Scrolls was Morrowind, mm-hmm. and honestly, you get off the boat. In Morrowind, you create your character, you put your skill sets. You want to talk about the most immersive developing skill sets, developing talents. Do you want to focus on endurance? Do you want to focus on thieving, bow and arrow? All of that is Morrowind. And what you do, it's not a, if you just generally use it and then you level up, you can boost it. You have to keep using that particular thing in order to level it up. Morrowind, I remember picking it up, being a little younger and naive, I decided, oh, I'll jump in. And as soon as you get off the boat, you get no guidance. It's just like, oh, here. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, where do I go? Once you kind <laughs> of figure out that everything's in your journal and it tells mm-hmm. you where to go in terms of the general location, the fact yeah. that you have here's your character here's what attributes you want to put into it here's the world awesome it was incredible mm-hmm. being able to be immersed in such a world where with no guidance you're kind of like what do i do lost. <laughs> i'm so used to being told what to do right. so morrowind was the introduction to that in terms mm-hmm. of an actual game it's nostalgia more than anything you know it's my first mm-hmm. elder schools game mm-hmm. nothing too incredibly special about the graphics it's xbox original Mm -hmm. graphics you know you're you get what you're right 
kind of going through. But then we have Oblivion, which Oblivion Mm. arguably is my favorite Elder Scrolls game Mm -hmm. because it takes what Morrowind did with the complexity of leveling up and creating your character and kind of Mm -hmm. simplified it, but still making it to where it's more complex than Skyrim is. Because honestly, Skyrim, anybody can jump in and play it. Whereas Oblivion, you need okay. to have a set what is your play style before you jump into it. The story of Oblivion, to me, is more interesting than Skyrim. Granted, Skyrim's on my list within this Elder Scrolls thing because it is Skyrim. I'm not going to go into Skyrim because we'll have an episode strictly on Skyrim. One of my favorite parts of Oblivion is that with people, when you dialogue with them, is there's a little meter that you can do coerce or compliment or joke or boast, and that affects their affiliation with you. And 90% of the population you can do this to. And that kind of behavior system is incredible. And then one of my favorite all-time story elements or quest elements of any Elder Scrolls game is the Dark Brotherhood. Dark Brotherhood's one of my favorite factions in these games. And in Oblivion, I remember one time that it stuck out to me was it was more than just go here, kill this person, go here, kill this person, which in Skyrim is kind of like that with some plot twist in there. One of my favorite parts of Oblivion, I'll go on this tangent with the Dark Brotherhood, is you're invited to mm-hmm. a house party. And this is like medieval time. So of course it's medieval house party so there's Mm -hmm. a game where you and six other guests i think if it if that's right the six it's you and these guests have to stay in this house a certain amount of time and at the end of it you get money well plot twist here and a little bit of spoiler is that there is no game you are sent there to kill all party guests and you get a bonus if no one finds out that it's you Mm. so this whole intricate system of you're assassinating these people but you're also trying to play each person against another like there's dialogue of like oh i think it's this person or you're going through it and it is so good so good that's cool yeah that's really cool and it's stuff like that throughout like getting into the thieves guild is hard like getting into these factions is a difficult process in Oblivion than it was in Skyrim. In Skyrim, mm-hmm. it's like you take down the troll with the group of companions and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you should be one of us. And then you're one of them. You know nice. what I mean? Like, And don't get me wrong. I love Skyrim. You and I have mm-hmm. both put hours into Skyrim. Yeah. But Oblivion is one that solidified the Elder Scrolls franchise for me. Cool. So there's that. And then I have to put an honorable mention on here because... Mm-hmm. This one is kind of my other Bioware. This was when Bioware was taking off with yeah. RPGs. Mm-hmm. Jade Empire. Have you ever played Jade Empire? I have not. I've oh, heard the name before, man. but I have not played it. Dude, this one of those, like, you have to experience it because mm-hmm. it's not the typical Bioware where you're switching between characters or weapons don't work as they do. And I won't go too much into this, but (laughs) it's set in feudal Japan. You are a martial artist whose dojo gets destroyed by a clan. 
Okay. You have to find out that you're what they call a spirit monk. And you are now the protector of this water spirit. So you accumulate the companions and all that stuff. You develop relationships. But the story, you should do a little bit of research on it because I think you would love this game. Hmm. It's a lot of hand-to-hand fighting, martial Mm -hmm. arts, not a lot of weapons involved, but there's different spirits. There's like toad spirits, horse spirits, you know, mammoth. All of it is researched. (laughs) And what's awesome about it is just the storytelling element. It's got that plot twist type of system. It's not as big as Knights of the Old Republic, but it's still Mm -hmm. enough to sit there and be worthy of mentioning. Mm -hmm. But man, I'm telling you, I think I have it on my Steam. I will let you borrow it. But (laughs) it is one of those that it's a classic, but I won't go too much further in detail on that. No, you're fine. I also have one more honorable mention that I actually thought of right before we started recording. And I kind of wanted to talk about it now since we're into the more of the sort of sword and sorcery role-playing kind of stuff. Kingdoms of Omnivore. I, you know, I was going to put that on my list, but uh-huh. honestly, if we could have, I want to do an episode on it. Yes, because it's such, it's such an underrated video game just in general. And, you know, what all I'll say about it is that the best way I can kind of describe it is, is it's kind of like a single player World of Warcraft, especially in the visual department. The, the aesthetics and the visuals are terrific. The world itself is massive vast to explore i I mean it oh man you can put you could put more time walking through its world probably than all of skyrim when you think about it and the combat very varied extremely satisfying i'm a i'm a mage every time i play in that one and i love it and i know you are i believe you are a rogue uh bow wielder no i really you know in skyrim in the Elder Scrolls games, it's like, I'm going to go in as a two-hander, two-handed sword warrior, you know, I yeah. try, and then all of a sudden, it's like halfway through, I'm sneaking around with the bow. Yeah. Kingdoms of Amalur, I'm actually all physical, like wow. the physical tank. The boulder smash power in that game is just, it's so enjoyable. The thing That's with so awesome. Amalur, like you said, is, it got overshadowed by Skyrim. Yeah. You know, Skyrim came out and then Amalur tried to come out and it just snowballed into mm-hmm. badness, which is a shame because, like you said, the color of the world is so bright. Even the dungeons are so bright and so mm-hmm. colorful without being the vibrant, out of place color. Yeah. I remember my first playthrough of that and just being just in awe because the colors are just so it's like you said it's the world of warcraft but i think it's more modern graphic wise i would agree there Mm -hmm. so yeah no that was a that was a good honorable mention i thought about putting that on my list Mm -hmm. but it's dude these lists suck yeah (laughs) i know (laughs) but yeah that was a good good mention thank you you can't go wrong with a good RPG. The ones that we listed, mm-hmm. I mean, we've both played Fallout. We've both played the Fallout series. We've both played Elder Scrolls, you know, me more than mm-hmm. you in terms of the 
different ones. We right. both played Skyrim enough to be pretty expert, pretty much <laughs> experts on it. Yeah. The Dark Souls thing, I've that's me. I sometimes hate myself in terms of <laughs> I need to feel frustration towards a video game. Mm-hmm. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up on this discussion? I, I would just suggest to any listeners, you know, if you haven't given a role-playing game, be it either video game or tabletop format, and you're interested, hopefully this has sparked a bit of interest for you. Because, you know, some of these some of these games, you can really, really lose yourself in them. And you will experience hours and hours of enjoyment if you really do get into them. I think that'll be my final word for it. Yeah, you're completely right. The being able to digress, and I argue about this all the time, like, yes, there's video game addiction. I understand that. But being able to immerse yourself and kind of find a new reality to participate in, you do that with books. Right? There's been countless times where I've disassociated and I'm reading. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with these games. Some of these games you play and you just kind of lose time. You just kind of, I wouldn't say you lose time. You kind of gain time in this other world. And that's what is a beautiful thing about this. It's like you said at the beginning of this episode, I'm glad that video games are starting to be viewed upon as artwork is. I think we're in a great spot to just keep going. And I'm curious to see where we go from here. It's exciting. It's so exciting. I, I'm i loving that all our RPGs are starting to be remastered. You know, mm-hmm. I love original stuff, but also the classic stuff being remastered is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody, that's our discussion on some of our favorite RPG video games. We appreciate you guys listening, and please let us know what some of your favorite RPG games are. If they're the same as ours, awesome. If not, maybe we need to try them out. I love finding new stuff. We love finding new stuff, finding new things to play. I remember always texting Logan, like, you play this yet? Nope. All right. (laughs) Play it. And then he does. And then I do the same for him. Mm Mm-hmm. So that concludes our episode for today. Thank you all for listening and see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Show Guys podcast. You can find us on Spotify and where other podcasts are available. You can also follow us on social media at facebook.com slash showguys21 and instagram.com slash showguys21. The show's theme music is composed by DJ Mead. You can find his latest album, Mad World Reimagined, on Spotify and iTunes. Follow him on Facebook at DJ Mead Music 777. Thank you again for listening. Have a terrific day.